Newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. The podcast is part of the Odyssey family. You can find us, as always, on the Odyssey app, as well as on Apple, Spotify, all the usual platforms where you get podcasts. Make sure you go subscribe to the YouTube page, like, rate, review, subscribe. All the stuff you're usually supposed to do with podcasts, that helps. Uh, we've had a couple weeks off. I think late July, mid-July was the last episode that we did. Some of that was by design because, they, you know, you got to take a break at some point in the offseason. You know, we had a couple guests that, you know, were going to be on and then kind of fell through. And I just figured there's also just not a lot going on anyway. But we're back and with about six weeks before training camp, we're going to ramp up a little bit more. And then, I, you know, we're really going to ramp up once camp starts in October. So, you know, just be on the lookout again. Subscribe, rate, review, subscribe on all the usual channels. And, you know, you'll be seeing a lot more stuff coming up in the next few weeks. Today, you know, just to kind of ease back into it, brought back on Danny Meringue, return guest. You guys all know him. 1080 The Fan, Danny and Dusty, noon to three on uh, weekdays. Uh, Jack Ramsey's podcast, Jack Ramsey's Patreon. We talked about the schedule, which came out today. We talked about Scoot Henderson and kind of early expectations. We touched on a few other topics, not a ton of Dame stuff, just because there's nothing new happening with that situation. But it's a good conversation, runs about an hour, and, you know, I think it's a it's a good kind of reset of, you know, where the offseason is at right now and questions that still need to be answered. And also looking ahead a little bit now that we have a schedule and we can get into some of that a little bit. Uh, so it's a good conversation, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So let's get to that right now. How's your summer going, Danny? Oh, see, we're, it's August 17th, so it's almost over. Good. It's uh, uneventful, which I think a lot of people in the NBA world thought it might be a little bit more. Especially um, around here. Yeah, for sure. But otherwise, it's been good, you know. Uh, the little summer league, schedule release we'll talk about here in a little bit. Like, I mm-hmm. think it's, for the most part, I think it's a lot more normal than, than, than folks anticipated. That's something that people have kind of said to me is, like, when I, you know, I see friends who you know, know what I do, but aren't as like in it every it's not the day to day as we yeah. are, are like, well, you, your summer must be so chaotic. It must be like, and I was like, you know what? July 1st was the trade request. And like then 10, 10 days of it, 10 days just... of it. And you know, after, you know, the last, I think the yeah. last really eventful thing that happened was, you know, Joe talked at summer league, which was mm-hmm. what the, like the ninth or the 10th. Yeah. And then I guess like a couple weeks later was the memo. So that was like one day's worth of work, but I'm honestly, I'm chilling. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it was it was wild at Summer League. You know, you, you and right. I were both down there, and it was, you couldn't go five feet without somebody going, hey, what's going on? What's up with this? How's this going to go? Is it going to get done? Is the deal done? And you had people down there, oh, the deal's already done. And I'm like, I haven't talked yet. So <laughs> Which done. they still haven't talked, by the way. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. But other than that, I mean, it's been a normal, I shouldn't say normal summer, because I think in normal summer, if, Scoot was a small forward. We'd be talking about him everywhere. He'd be in every single thing. The Blazers would be promoing him everywhere. And that I think everything is kind of stepped back a little bit until stuff is sorted out. I, I would expect that over the next what's August five months before February. Yeah, I think it's just going to be an awkward place unless something seismic changes one way or the other. I did find it interesting. So they, so the Blazers put out their uh, schedule today, just like every other team. And we'll get into the schedule. Mm. But they put out a video, which was another great job by the... Oh, the, social team killed the it. The social team, the yeah. content team, Fernando, all all them. Shout out to Fernando. Yep. Those guys all always do a great job. Uh, but... 
it was like done in the style of like an info one of those like late night tv infomercials for like the best hits of the 70s like yeah. type of cd like box sets that you can buy mm-hmm. it was a cool idea but they showed the different clips of you know various players. players dame was barely in it at all i think there was like one clip of him in it there was one clip and he was in street clothes yeah yeah. It was like mostly Scoot, Aunt Shay, and Jeremy. Little Tease, little, little Jeremy, little nods sprinkled in. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic nowhere to be found. No, I saw there was there was a shot of Nurk in there. <laughs> Did you not see this? No, he he was there. It was just there again, was a was shot good, of like there a, was one was shot a, of Nurk. It was a quick little glimpse. Yep. Yeah, Nas was in there. Yeah, <laughs> but also, I mean, did you watch? Uh, did Did you watch the last episode of the Trail that came out? Like, yeah, he was not in it at all. No, I would imagine that the social and content teams are in a bit of a bind with walking this line of he's still a member of the organization, Damian Lillard we're talking about, but also like the weirdness of a player actively requesting a trade and kind of the position that they're in. And it's the one guy that like active, like he is the, for the last 11 years, he's been the guy that sells tickets and sells jerseys yes. and is like been like the centerpiece of every single one of these marketing campaigns. And now it's like, well, he's not traded, so he's technically still on the team. So you could use him and stuff if you want to, but you probably shouldn't because then that no. stuff is all going to get thrown in your face in two months if he's traded. So you've got a guy who's number 10 in Jersey sales. He's the most important and famous player in your franchise's history. It's like, you can't just not acknowledge him, but right. also... The story probably can't be about him, but I think out of respect, it's also not entirely about Scoot, if that right. makes sense. It's like I said, it's just gonna be awkward. And this is part of that awkward process they're gonna have to deal with. So speaking of Scoot, you wrote a really interesting piece on your on the Jack Ramsey's Patreon, which mm-hmm. I would encourage everybody to go subscribe to if you're not. But uh kind of going into something, and this is something you and I have talked about offline and probably on our various programs since even before the draft since Mm -hmm. the pre-draft process when they brought scoot in for a workout and you know we were talking about like can scoot play with dame or you know how good is scoot gonna be right away it's very rare that a rookie point guard is good right away Rookie like, teenage point guards, teenage, teenage even more so. Yes, but as far as like rookie point guards, I'm taught like you're thinking like the guys that in the last ten years that really come to mind for me are Dame, who you know was a four year college player, so mm-hmm. he was a little bit older, and then like Derrick Rose and John Morant, and that's like kind of it. Luca and Trey. If like, you want to count, if you want to count Luca as a point guard, I know sure. he's like a he's like a bigger guy. It's a little bit Trey, of a different thing. but he spent two years in college. Yeah, like, Jaw spent two years in college. Like Jaw, and again those guys were some of the most productive college players we've ever seen. Jaws, they li- quite literally the only player in NCAA history to average 20 and 10. Luca was playing as a professional at 17 years old in the second best league in the world. Right. Trey was doing insane things at Oklahoma. Like Dame was leading the nation in scoring. You, when you start talking about young point guards being successful, you start like pulling these qualifiers, like best ever, only one to ever, first to ever do. Like that's the kind of thing when you're talking about a point guard rookie being right. successful. And then you amp it up to teenage point guards. There have been 23 point guards in NBA history drafted as, and played as teenagers. That's it. 23 of them. Of that group, the only three teenage point guards three in NBA history who have averaged at least 15 points and five assists, Kyrie Irving, Stefan Marbury. And um, I'm forgetting the last Tony one real Parker. quick. Uh, no, Parker averaged nine and four. It was, um, uh, why am I blanking on this for the love of God? Uh, I've got it right here. Hold on. You'd think after diving into this for this long, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, no, I had this memorized. Um, bah, 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 bah. Uh, Lamella Ball. Yeah. Lamella is the only other one. And the thing about it is, and this isn't like, this isn't the take shots at Scoot. This is just the, the, the mountain that he has to climb. Is that for him to be successful, he has to pass, like Kyrie is universally lauded as maybe the best handle in NBA history. He's also like a 50, 40, 90 shooter. Right with some of the best shot creation tools ever and was the unquestioned number one overall pick. Okay. Stefan Marbury was a one and done from Georgia tech who 
has some of the most explosive athleticism we've ever seen at the point guard position could get to literally anywhere on the floor and was a creative playmaking uh, pull-up magician with also having to have a 42 inch vertical leap. And then you have LaMelo ball. Who's a six foot seven passing savant who breaks the geometry of the game by being able to hit from 30 feet. You look at scoot. He's not, he's athletic. He's, but this whole like Russell Westbrook, Derrick Rose comparison that people have got to stop doing that. He's not that he's very athletic. He's not that athletic. His pull-up game is nice and his handles very good, but is it Kyrie Irving? No, he's a, not a non-shooter, but his, his shooting from distance is very limited right now. So he doesn't have some of like the absolutely outrageous tools that these other guys have had, but I think he covers up for some of the other things that like LaMelo ball is uh, like none of these guys had the, the it factor as far as like being the guy scoot has that stuff, the leadership stuff, the, the Q rating, all of the other bona fides. And I, I wonder how much of that is going to allow him to develop and change and cover up for some of the other things that he necessarily doesn't have and where he can develop. And like this whole idea that, if Dame's traded and it's Scooch team, that he's going to go out there and average like 19 and eight. Like, whoa, guys. Like, we've he literally might just never because seen. Somebody has to take those shots. But that's the thing is Kyrie Irving on that absolute dog water uh, Cleveland Cavs team he went 21 and 45. He averaged 18 and five. Right. That's like literally the best rookie teenage guard season in NBA history. And it's like, that's oh, pretty good. But like we're we're so skewed of like guys being so good right out of the gate. Like Jaw was so good out of the gate. Trey was so good. Like they're two years, three years older. They have so much more experience. Like that experience gap is so huge. And they're like where they did it and where the keys they're given. The question that's going to end up coming up out of this is how good is the G League at preparing, particularly point guards for the NBA? Because we just don't know. Did you watch the documentary? I've got about 20 minutes into it. My wife had me go into it. Something else. I haven't got to see it yet. You should watch it. It's really good. Mm. And there's some, there's some good scoot stuff in there. There's... Did, did you pull anything out of that where, you, where there was something different? Uh, I mean, it's, I have been reading and watching scoot stuff since he was drafted. Mm. So I, it wasn't a ton of stuff. I didn't know. There was this one funny sequence where, just to make the point, I guess the filmmakers did this, like to make the point of how Pooh Jenner is 20 years older than him. There was this literally my age. Yes. There was this extended scene of Scoot trying to teach Pooh Jenner how to set up Siri on his iPhone (laughs) and Pooh Jenner not being able to do it. Scoot being like, man, you're so old. Like (laughs) I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very interested to see like how quickly Scoot, you know, especially, mm-hmm. you know, if Dame is traded before the season, which I don't expect given the way that things are, but like. And again, I'm high on Scoot. It's just, I think everybody needs to slow their role and be like, oh, he's just going to replace Damian Lillard. Like, is he going to be a top 75 uh, player of all time? Probably not. The math says no. <laughs> like it just, like. There's 5,000 players in NBA history and Dame's in the top 75. Like you start doing the math. It's like, especially even if, even if you just consider lottery prospects, like the only lottery prospects that are the lottery teenage guards that have ever come out. Okay. This is, this is your list. Okay. It's like Sebastian Telfair and it's Marbury. It's Sean Livingston. It's Kyrie Irving, Zach Levine, who was drafted as a point guard. Yeah. Dante Exum, Emmanuel Moutier, D'Angelo Russell, Frank Nilakina, Kobe White, Killian Hayes, Kira Lewis Jr., LaMelo Ball, and Dyson Daniels last year. Those are some guys. Those are some there's, there, there's a lot of fall off. <laughs> well, like, I mean, Dante Exum's back in the mix. He got a deal with Dallas. He's, he's back I'm in just the saying, mix. There's a lot. Of, like, you have some early guys that hit, and then there's a gap of like, ooh, doggy. That, not yeah. great. But you, I was so convinced Emmanuel Moutier was going to be good, by the way. Because he, had the, he looked like he had the tools. And that's the thing. It's like looking like you have the tools at another level does not always mean. And again, I am not saying Scoot's not going to be great. I, I genuinely believe he's going to. I just think that the, the process is going to be a little bumpier than folks are probably thinking out of the gate. 
it's not a LeBron or Luka thing where, like, no. the guy gets drafted and everybody, or even, like, Wembenyama, where everybody's just like, oh, no, this, this like, w- week one of preseason, like, oh, this is a Hall of Famer. Like, yeah. that doesn't, that's and again, not. Scoot and his 21 minutes of summer league, we're like, oh, yeah, no, he can hang. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about him hanging. I'm worried about, I'm not even worried about, uh, my, my observations are like, or questions are, okay, just what level can he hang? Right. And, and that's, that's the thing. It's like, and that's, that's why there was, there's, there, there, you know, there was a line of thinking among, I'll just say some corners of the national media that were uh, maybe getting their information from one side or the other in this whole thing, who were making the argument that because they're so well set up with Scoot and Shade and they can afford to trade Dame for a little bit less because they're mm. so well set up. And I was just sitting there going like, are you so sure that Scoot and Shade and there's going to be the next like Durant and Westbrook or whatever yeah. that you can just go ahead and do that? I, I mean, I think those guys are both going to be pretty good, but I don't know. I mean, I don't think either one of them is so can't miss. Right. That you can afford. And even then what, because even well, it, Shea, like Shea, for as good as he was the last month of the season when they really like gave him the keys to everything when they shut everybody questions. else down. But yeah, I mean, it's not like, I'm not, I'm not expecting him to like come in and have like a, you know, Anthony Edwards second season where he's like getting all-star consideration. Oh, hell, Brandon Roy. Like yeah. you're, you're not expecting him to, like uh, our friend Mike Richmond, he, I think he said like, if, if, I think he said his over under with you at like, was it 17.9? Points a game. Yeah, like yeah, sounds like, right. Okay, like but again, eighteen points a game, like that's better than most, but that's not otherworldly second year points. It's very good. That's but, not. Like, that's not. You can trade Dame for a subpar package because you have this. Exactly. That's that's the kind of that's kind of the disconnect there. Yeah, hundred percent. So let's get to the schedule because that came out today. You and I, you know, full disclosure, you and I have both had it for a little bit and we have had a little bit more time to uh go through it and kind of yeah it was weird how i had all of the schedule breakdown the second it went live oh yeah me too you actually <laughs> jumped the gun a little bit yours yours went up at like 11 30 your patreon post went up at 11 30 did I it my, yeah it did i had mine scheduled to run exactly at noon and it went out and but you're you beat me by like like, like mine, half, 20 mine was definitely <laughs> scheduled but I, maybe i bumped it back a 30 minute slot when i was grabbing this little wheel Oops. Oh man! Well, it was, I mean, to, it was supposed to go at noon. Well, we probably we probably broke some rules. It's so funny to me how they are treating this like a state secret. The NBA does and the teams do. When it's like you're gonna like, and I get I get that like content is slow right now, and everybody has like I know that the team has like their so like their social team had this video that they put out, and all the different teams had one. By the way, the Nets one where the girl described the Blazers logo as two oh, question yeah. marks trying to make love. That was so good. Yes, no, but it's like I get I get that like stuff. I get that like they have a rollout of of this stuff, and like ESPN yeah. is doing their TV special, so like I get it, and I'm fine like not stepping on it, but. It's so funny that they treat this stuff like it's classified information when it's literally just like every team is going to play 82 games, 41 at home, 41 on the road. It's going to be a little bit different this year because of the tournament stuff where like every team has one game that's not scheduled yet. So only 80 of the 82 games are out. And then if the team makes the championship round of the in-season tournament, they'll play an 83rd game. So it's a little bit different. It's a, the 20 and 21st game. It's, it's a little bit wonky. And- yeah. So like that whole, that whole second week of December, that's like, not like, is like basically left open right now, just in case, like, you know, you know, just, just so they can schedule it. Uh, I will say when I saw the schedule for the in-season tournament that came out in the first one of the two TV specials that the league milked out of the schedule release, Mm -hmm. uh, I just thought, oh, they have no chance in this group at all. But oh yeah, no, I mean well, Phoenix, it's Lakers, Phoenix, Memphis, it's Phoenix, and... Lakers, Memphis, Utah, Utah. Yeah. But you think about it, Jaw's still going to be suspended. Yeah. So Memphis, the Blazers is... are going to play Memphis twice with no Jaw. Yeah. Well, they well they have both of their two all four, they play Memphis four times both of and and it's four it's two of the baseball series one in Portland at the beginning of November right one in Memphis yep. at the beginning of March and so Jaw is going to be suspended for those first two and then presumably he'll be back for the two in March but. So in this in this group play thing, you're playing Memphis, who's still not going to have Jaw, and Brandon Clark is probably going to miss the whole year with a torn Achilles. So that's mm-hmm. two of like their guys. 
the Lakers, you know, you don't know if LeBron and AD are going to be. They're going to load manage with some stuff. Yeah, they're going to load manage those guys. Uh, Phoenix, you know, those guys have had health issues in the past. Uh, Beal and Durant and Booker. And also, like, their roster is just so top heavy that, like, they have those four guys. And then it's like the other is literally uh, my buddy Ian Cohen, who's a music writer, uh, described the Suns roster as the basketball roster uh, equivalent of the Killers album Hot Fuss. Where well, there's there four go. like classic songs, and then and like then the rest of it is else. just like, so it's like, so it's like, uh, like you know they have four four guys on max deals, and then like a bunch of vet min guys on the rest of the roster. So it's oh, tracks, you know. So, and then you know you Utah like Utah's a good team, but like you know it's not there. Utah's not unbeatable. So it's like there is the, it is not at all outside of the realm of possibility that Portland goes like four and zero or three and one in these random four games over these two weeks in November and get. I still into, think it's. I feel like it's difficult for them to be successful there, but they might be, uh, I, I should put Utah on this. I think Utah and Portland might be the ones who maybe, maybe take this a little more seriously. Uh, yes. Because no, neither of those teams have any real shot at actually being title contenders. Or no. Like, like both of those teams, I would say their ceiling is like, maybe they're, they make the playoffs like out of the play in. If every single possible thing goes right. I mean, yeah, maybe I could maybe like I Utah, could maybe certainly. see Utah being a top six team. Portland, I think the absolute ceiling is play in, but even that is like a million and that's, have to and go that's right. like Dame's still on the team. Him like, and Scoot actually fit together perfectly. They yeah. they trade Ant for like a, a wing. wing. Yeah. They tra- they upgrade the Nurk spot. Like a million things have to happen. I am fully expecting the Blazers to be a top five lottery team this this season when everything top is five set. and it's not bottom four. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, they trade dame i'm taking the under on pretty much oh yeah game. oh yeah oh yeah no totally but i mean but we'll get but again we can't even really talk about any of this stuff no you can't take until we see what because because the roster is so like right now they have 12 players under contract not counting two ways yeah they're not even cba legal right now to no. go into the season uh dusty asked me today like are you gonna go through win loss win loss i'm like yeah i am when i know the roster Right, <laughs> like uh, then I'll then I'll win loss thing because like Las Vegas isn't even putting out a, like you can't they're find off the anybody. board for like they, they're over under because will nobody knows if Dame anywhere. is going to be on the team or not. No, and you're 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 talking about a 15, 18 game swing. Yes, Damian Lillard on or off the roster. It's, it's quite literally that that heavy, and so because they lose Dame and they bring back young guys, they're gonna be on the board for twenty four and a half. And you're taking the under. So <laughs> yeah, like this team, like if, if, if they're not going to, but let's say they take the the Nets package and Harrow came went somewhere else and they got another young player, uh-huh. like that team is like if they won more than twenty games, I'd be impressed. It's the history of like again, if you look at those teams with those teenage guards, they were all very bad. The one exception, or I should say, two exceptions, are. Uh, Stefan Marbury, who went to KG's Timberwolves, where they and made the playoffs at 40 and 42. Tony and then Tony Parker, Parker who went who to went the Spurs, who had Duncan and still, still year, David Robinson at that point. Fourth year Tim Duncan, 12th year David Robinson, Malik Rose, Bruce Bowen, uh, second year Steven Jackson. Right. Uh, like they had dudes up and down that roster. Yeah, because he wasn't a lottery pick. He was a late first round pick. Yeah, so like nineteenth. He so he was drafted by a so he was he was drafted by a team that was not, you know, picking high in the lottery where he's expected to be the franchise guy right and away. And his by, job was to just get Timmy and David the ball. Like that was yeah. what he had to do. Like By the he, way, did you watch did you watch uh did you watch uh, the Hall of Fame? Tony's Hall of Fame speech? Yeah, where he was like, yeah, it was my job to give Timmy the ball. I thought he had the best. I mean, all of them were good. Like, Pop yeah. was good. Wade was good. Powell was good. Dirk was good. I thought Tony's was the best speech out of any of them. Yeah, I thought so, too, because it was just funny, because I think he's probably the, lo- the least likable guy up there. I never had an issue with Tony. I talked to him. No, no, not like personally, but like, you know, the other I, stuff. Yeah, right. No, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Two of those guys, two of those guys I actually have covered before. Like I had, I had Powell for two years in Chicago and then oh, I had yeah. Wade the one year that he was with the Bulls, which was maybe not the finest moment of his career, but you know, those are two guys that I actually had for full seasons. Yeah. Hey, Trailblazers legend, Powell Gasol. It's true. It's true. I mean, he, hey, former, he got former, paid. former Blazers, former Blazers consultant, Powell Gasol. Cause mm. remember like he, uh, like halfway through he that stayed season, on. They, 
halfway through the season, they stopped, like, pretending like there was a chance he was actually going to play. And they were like, he's transitioning into a special advisory role in the front office. And then that lasted basically right until COVID hit. And then yeah. it was just like, okay, we're he, not he doing He dipped this. out in, I think, late January. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, a month later, I saw him and his wife at the All-Star Game in Chicago. I was at uh, the downtown Giordano's with Chris Herring, and mm. Pow, Pow and his wife walked in, and just, like, they were sitting at a different... I, I mean, I, I know Pow because I covered him for two years. I didn't bug him, but then, like, a month later, the world shut down. Should have bugged him. Maybe I should <laughs> No, I, li I like Pow a lot. He's a great dude. I'm sure, you know, you'll never hear anything but that from no. anybody. But one of the nicest guys I've ever covered. Yeah, I've never heard a sideways word about Powell on and, or off the floor, so. <laughs> yeah, so uh, purely from a selfish standpoint, uh, from a life planning standpoint, and just mm -hmm. from a balance of this stuff standpoint, I love this schedule. I like this schedule a lot more than last year's schedule. Yeah, honestly, I thought when I started digging into it, I was like, ugh, this is a little tough. And then like, when I, when I saw all of it and I saw the, the league breakdown this morning, uh -huh. I, I got wind of like, oh, where the Blazers were kind of slotting in. I was like, oh, this actually isn't bad. The The majority of the schedule is actually pretty favorable. It's just that they get punched in the teeth twice. Uh -huh. They have two seven-game road trips where their first seven-game road trip starts the first of the new year. Right. In Phoenix, goes to Dallas twice, goes to New York uh, for Knicks and Nets, then goes to OKC, then to Minnesota on a back-to-back. -back. They play seven games in 11 days, including a back-to-back -back at the, the end of the road trip. The other part, the other side of that, though, is that there are only those seven games are only in four different cities because they've got two in Dallas and then they two knock out both of the New York teams. Yeah, and those they probably won't even back. change hotels in New York. No, and I'm I'm starting I'm starting to like I might do that those two in new york because just because i you, know, you can a, get both as, yeah. as a beat writer i don't like you know being away from the team for two whole weeks no I'm because that goes from the first to the 12th i believe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that that's a tough and but, uh, honestly the other one though the seven gamer at the end of march beginning of april the the southeast one that's like that's like orlando atlanta charlotte miami and then like a couple other places that one there are no back-to-backs so that's a little bit more palatable yeah and no that's the thing is like uh Portland but also by that point well. they might be tanking anyway so it doesn't really matter like the the month of january i think is their is their most brutal month I would hands think. down it's not even just the, the seven game road trip they have 17 games which is the most they have in a month okay so 17 games in 31 days or more than a one game every other day okay 11 of those 17 are on the road so you have the seven game road trip plus four more okay mm -hmm. You also have three back-to-backs in that month, okay? And you also have 13 games with one day or less, 24 hours or less rest before the next game. So you might have a game at like 7.30 in one time zone and it's 7.30 in another, but you're losing two hours, you know, like going from, I don't know, Phoenix to New York, and you only have one day off in between and you're losing two hours and you're playing at 7.30 Mountain Time and then you're playing at 7.30 Eastern. So you're quite literally getting less than 24 hours full turn. And so it's like, ooh, that's not a ton of rest in between. But digging in, um, it was interesting. Uh, Positive Residual, uh, the fantastic website, they had the full league breakdown. I started digging through it. The Blazers have been first, second, or third in travel for every year that I can remember. Like total distance. And total miles. distance, yes. They they usually clean house. It's not close. It's, the, you know, it's a team first or second, and, like, that's way out in front, and then a couple other teams. This year, the Blazers are sixth. And there's a seismic gap between them at sixth and the Clippers at first. The Clippers are traveling over 50,000 miles this year. The Blazers are at forty six. So they lost a ton of travel compared to where they have been in the past. So the Blazers actually got some favors done to them. They had some they had some help on the travel. They also had some help on the rest advantage. Even though they had all those games where, like, again, they're compressed and they have short rest, the opponents they're taking on are on the same or less 
for a lot of these games. The Blazers have the third most rest advantage games this season at 14 mm-hmm. and the second least rest disadvantage games at nine, which is actually pretty impressive considering that Portland is quite literally the most geographically isolated team in the NBA. It's going to be so much easier in two years when Seattle's in the mix. Oh God. That's going to cut so much travel down with either Memphis and New Orleans going East. Like having a team that's like 2,500 miles away, no longer be in your conference while a team that is 300 miles away is in your conference. And also Vegas, like, I think it's an easy flight too. Yeah. That that's that, that triangle is going to be so much better for Portland on the travel side of things. You're literally, again, you're probably cutting what six, 7,000 miles worth of travel down. Do you think they'll even, do you think they'll even bother going to the airport and taking the 45 minute flight to Seattle or are they just going to bust that one? No, they'll take the flight just because you never know what can happen. Sure. Yeah. One, uh, one thing I did notice when I count, I, I haven't gone as deep into the rest advantage stuff as you have, obviously, and this mm-hmm. is all great stuff. And you, you, you broke this down on the Patreon also, which again, subscribe to the Jack Ramsey's Patreon if you're. I nerded watching. out on it. I, no, it's I, great. I, I, I had time. No, it's great. This is this is this is worthwhile stuff. One thing that I noticed: so they have fourteen back to backs. Mm-hmm. Seven of them split are, right in the middle. Seven of them are home home. Mm-hmm. where they just play two games in a row at home. So that's no, that's not travel, which like, I know it's a back-to-back in the sense of, uh, you're, dead, though. you're playing two, you know, it's a, it's a back-to-back in the sense of you're playing two nights in a row, but it's, you know, it's not like, you know, you're going from, you know, one city to another, and then you got to play a game. Not only are you playing two games in the same city, but then you also get to go home and sleep in your own bed. It beats, um, the heat or the heat, the Hawks, the Hawks are playing, I want to say it's the Nets, on a home series over three days. Uh-huh. The Hawks come to Portland in between. What? They do like a one weird one away thing. It, it's, it's just Wait, some... so they play so they play in Atlanta against the Nets, and then they fly to Portland, and then they go back to back, Atlanta and, then they and play, play the, Atlanta, Nets. the Nets the next day. That's it's a it's that's a one of the one, worst ones I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a very, very, very bad wrinkle, and I went, "Ugh, that's not good." What is that? Yeah, if it's, we're gonna go ahead, if we're gonna go and like project out the schedule, wins versus losses, I think that's one of oh, that, that's one of the few. Losses. No matter what happens, even if Dame is traded, that's <laughs> that's one of the ones I think we can project as a win. Yeah, yeah. no, and and again, I think it's the Nets. Let's go back and double check. You can chalk those up as Nets wins, like that that kind of travel going back and forth like that. No. No, that that's those like the for those that are that are aren't aware, the rest advantage, disadvantage, and travel distance thing is is about as good an indicator as there is for win loss as there is in the NBA. There are games that NBA teams they just chalk up. Yeah. They go, nah. Schedule losses. Is what this is a, this this is a schedule loss. It's done. Like if we if we are not competitive in the first 15, 20 minutes of this game, it's over. We're not going to have the juice. Like right. it's just it is what it is. So like like kind of again understanding that in structure and again win loss for Portland doesn't make any really matter but I will say this it's a good thing they're going to be young this year because the way that that schedule legs. breaks out in January January and March are just kicks in the teeth they just game after game both months have 17 games in 31 days they're two heaviest back to back months they're shortest rest advantage months it's also the, the two months that they play the the most difficult opponents from last year they have uh, 34 games in those two months. They played 20 of those 34 against playoff opponents. It's like, yeah, that's a lot. That 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 early January road trip, opponent-wise, like... Brutal. That's six playoff teams. And, yeah. and I say six because it's seven games, but two of them are in Dallas. So mm-hmm. all six... Because that, that one is, uh, you know, Phoenix playoff team. Dallas playoff team, Knicks playoff team, Nets playoff team, Oklahoma City, I think, at the very least, play-in team. Yeah. Probably. And Minnesota was a, play- and then a playoff Minnesota, team. And Minnesota, yeah, playoff team. I am so... I mean, I think by far... The Nets know, are the worst team on that trip. Yeah, and the Nets are like also a you know play-in at the very least. Yeah, they're like, still a good team. De- they're decent, yeah. yeah. They're... I mean, they're better than what Portland will be if Dame is traded. 100%. Like, <laughs> zero, zero doubt about that. You know, they're... Like, uh, you, they're you can you know, say that about any night... They're not playing Detroit. 
Like, Which, that's by like the, way, the one team I'm like, are they good? Yeah, Detroit. I think uh, Washington also is the other one. Oh, you know what? I keep forgetting Washington. Washington, Washington like, that thing. Yeah. Washington I think the the Detroit, Detroit and Washington are the two teams in the league. Like, yeah. even if Dame is traded, Detroit and Washington are the only two teams in the league that I look at and say, yes, those two teams are going to be worse. Those are those are competitive games, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> Maybe Charlotte, but even then, like, if Melo is more healthy, yeah. like, yeah. Like, but, so, uh, <laughs> I am really excited for that late December back-to-back with Wemby. And I'm surprised one of those two games, like, so we, you know, we've always been making a big deal and, like, it's been, like, a... a running thing the last couple of days and whatever since like the details started to leak out portland's only i don't count nba tv neither do you because it's not really yeah. national tv hey They're real only... quick sean is nba tv blacked out in portland yes okay so it's not national tv <laughs> and is the broadcast of nba tv the local the, broadcast the local broadcast the home crew but anyway <laughs> if you're only counting espn abc tnt as the actual mm-hmm. national tv game portland's only national game is the miami game which is after the deadline and february you know, 27th you can you know draw your own conclusions about why the league scheduled it not only after the trade deadline but also why they put that one on tv that's also guess what else happens post all-star break if damian lillard isn't traded they can flex out of it yeah but the point <laughs> being <laughs> They they set that up the best possible scenario mm-hmm. for them. If he's traded, awesome. It's his first return to Portland. If he's not traded, they flex out of it. If he's traded before the season, cool. They'll get him in Miami and they'll get him on the road. It's like that's that's why that was set up the way. That it was. Well, their game in Miami is also on that late March road trip too, though. Yeah. So that's after his yeah. But so uh, doing. right. But so I'm I'm not at all surprised that they don't mm-hmm. have very many national TV games because. I think most people within the league, just because stars who request a trade usually end up getting traded at some point, I think most people assume that at some point, whether it's before the season or at the deadline or in sure. December or whatever the case may be, he's going to be traded and, that, and then they won't be a team worth putting on national TV. Mm-hmm. I am a little surprised that the first Scoot Wemby game isn't on national TV. Cons- just considering, like, I know those are like two teams that are probably not going to be very good. But there was so much buzz around Vegas. the Vegas game last yeah. year. And, like, they made such a big deal out of the Summer League game that they were going to play, which they ended up not playing against each other because Scoot was hurt. That seems like an easy one to put on TNT or something. The thing about that was, let me pull it up here real quick. December 28th. Oh, do they not have games, though, that week on the national? I'm pretty sure they don't have games that week on... ESPN. I mean, ESPN. I get because they have like college football, like bowl games. You've got stuff, bowl but, season, right? But why? Like, why is why does TNT not have games that week? Yeah, the, I was just say the only national TV games that night are Detroit, Boston, and Miami, Golden State. Um, and they're on NBA TV. And they're on NBA TV. I, why I've does TNT a, not have games that week? Again, ESPN, you get because they have college football. I think TNT actually has some some. Uh, I think Turner has some college football content too. Do they? Yeah, it's either that or they're going to be continually running uh, a Christmas story still. Okay, sure. <laughs> Two days after Christmas, sure. Okay, sure. Like it probably still makes them money at that point in time. Um, <laughs> but I saw people like, oh no, it'll be a national TV game. I was like, I've seen the schedule, guys. They're not. They got one. Yeah, that was that was it. And look, I, I get the whole Scoot Wimby thing. The fact that it's also on a rivalry week, you saw that, right? The one in San Antonio in January. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I get we're trying to make Scoot Wemby a thing. But they're not. It's like trying to make Anthony Davis Damian Lillard a thing. If you asked the, like, the average NBA fan which player was drafted uh uh you know a, a year a, a year earlier, a year later. I think most people would not get they're from the same draft. Right. Like, it's just, like, they don't, that line is Well, because wrong. Anthony Davis was 19 and, and Dame was 22 or 23. But also, like, the difference between Anthony Davis as a prospect and Damian Lillard as a prospect was worlds apart. You understand this one a little bit more because, there's like, the whole year it's been Scoot Wemby, Scoot Wemby. It's like, it's like a LeBron Mello thing from 2003 where, like, See, I don't think year- it's quite that far. Like, no, nobody was ever, like, they were legitimate people who I like and trust. And not just, like, gaslighting people into this of, like, 
Carmelo Anthony should be the number one overall. You know pick. what you know what I mean, though. No, I I know I know I I agree with you about that. But I'm, you you know what I mean about like those being the two guys that they talked about all year, even if sure. people thought like everybody knew Wemby was one, but everybody assumed Scoot was number two. And I you know I I obviously didn't, but also Melo didn't go two in that draft either. Kind of the go, same dark, thing, go. but. <laughs> The point being, like, that's a little... I don't think the Dame-Anthony Davis thing is quite fair because, like, it's the same... Like, Scoot Wemby has been, like, a known thing for a year. I get what you're saying in, in that regard, but, like, it did generate buzz uh-huh. when when Scoot banged on Wemby. Like, there's no there's no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah. But it didn't... It didn't feel like, at least to me... Maybe I'm just old and washed... It did not feel like to well, me. Well, yes, that, you that are, was, but I mean, so that could be, but... be entirely, you know, separate from this. But it didn't feel like to me that it was generating like that kind of buzz of like, again, LeBron Mello, like where or a draft where this, like even with Zion and Jaw, right. like that didn't really have that juice. Where like, even though everybody knew it was going to go that route, it still didn't didn't have that. And but so, Zion and Jaw didn't play against each other in college, did they? No, but these guys only played against each other in a, in a glorified scrimmage. But that games. one game was a huge thing. It got a ton of buzz, and it was like a thing that people talked about, like for you know the, the month after that. It was like a whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I just think I think you get that in college basketball too. I, I had um, uh, Chet and Jalen Duran in the NCAA tournament here in Portland. Uh-huh. You know, that had buzz. Like that, like you had like two bigs kind of going against each other, and like which one's gonna can Chet actually handle the grown man child of Jalen Dur? Like that felt like it had like more like budding rivalry stuff uh-huh. than this does. And those guys were lower profile significantly. But I want to focus on you, like because I just thought of Chet, and this can maybe I'm it's a bit of a very interested moment. in how Chet looks this year. If you had to put money on it, I know you're not a gambling man, but gun to your head, if you had to put money on it, are you more comfortable betting Chet Wemby or Scoot for rookie, for of, rookie the year. of the year? Uh, that's a good one because I've thought about this. I'm gonna go Wemby just because. A, I mean, it's like clearly like the most talented out of the three. Like, if he's, if they have, like, their average, like, what their rookie season is going to look like, his is going to be the best. Yes. I would be more comfortable making the argument for Scoot mm-hmm. if the Dame stuff got resolved and his usage, sure. would, and, like, you knew he was going to start and you knew his usage was going to be off the charts because it's really easy for, you know, rookie point guards who have the ball all the time to put up a, a mm-hmm. ton of numbers. And I also feel like... Oklahoma City is probably like because I mean I know there's been this idea that like San Antonio is going to load manage Wemby a ton. I actually don't think they really will as I much. I don't think they will as much as like I think Oklahoma City is going to load manage Chet because he's coming off his foot injury yep. more than uh, seven footer with foot injury. Be afraid, manage yeah. it um, incredibly. Wemby's never been hurt. No, no. And that's the thing is, you and I, we were talking to folks in Vegas and, and one of the folks that I talked to um, who's covered the league forever and I trust unequivocally. Right. Matter of fact, they pointed out uh, who's going to be around longer with the organization, Greg Popovich or Victor Wembanyama, because Popovich is 74, about to be 75 years old. If Wemby plays 15 years, that's Papa's 90. In all reality, he's probably not around. Hubie's still in the Hubie's 90. He's Look, still in the mix. I, I am not trying to put Greg Popovich in the grave. I'm just saying, <laughs> most people don't live till 90. No, I know. I, no, I know. And so there's this whole idea of like, well, Pop and the Spurs are going to manage Wemby. Wemby wants to play. Yeah. And he, I, I, if I was a betting man, I'm betting on him having more leverage and more say and playing more than people. Like, oh, he's only going to play 55, 60 games. I'm like, if he's good to go, he's going to play as many games as he wants to. They had they basically had to beg him to shut him down. Like, dude, you know, like there was I summer remember, league. Like, no, you can't play. I remember after that, uh, after you know, after that that exhibition game against Scoot, there was all that. Uh, you know, there were people who were saying that like, oh, he could shut it after that exhibition game. He could mm-hmm. shut it down, and he'd still be the number one pick. And him and his agent both came out and were just like, "What are you talking about? He wants we're to play. We're not shutting anything down. I'm going to play," <laughs> which is interesting because Scoot kind of went the other way 
So it's like it's it's an interesting. You mean with after the shoulder injury? And... Yeah, they're like, nah, we're gonna no 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 not, not summer <laughs> league. No, like the G League ignite. They they shut him down. They shut him down in January. So it's 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 just interesting. And again, I'm not saying scoots. I'm gonna guess that was more just... them than him. I yes, but I think, I think it's two different things, two different ways that the camps are handling things. Right. So, but it's also Wemby is unquestionably about that life. Like he's he like Hooper's Hooper. Like mm-hmm. he he wants to get out there and play. And Scoot is too. Yeah, and he wants to get out there and play. And so like this whole idea of Wemby being load managed, ah, I'll buy it when I see the Spurs are actually willing to do it. And not only willing, but able to do it. But for those out there for betting advice, entertainment purposes only, um, I would take Wemby over Scoot still. Yeah, for rookie. Yeah, I, I, I think even, I even if Dame's Dame situation was resolved, I would still take Wemby over Scoot. I would lean the same way also. I did find it interesting that the Spurs have 11 national TV games. They're super front-loaded. Just in case. Just in well, a just in case, and b because I think they also realize that the Spurs are not going to be that good. No, you don't want to so, tune into a March game uh, when they're twenty-one and forty-nine. And I think the league also like remember when Zion was drafted, they put New Orleans on TV like thirty times, and that like blew up in their face. So I think they want to kind of you know slow play it with a, with a potential injury. Yeah, which I mean, I I know it was a little bit of a different thing because Zion, you know, had stuff. You know, he had the knee thing at Duke, and you know, yeah. he had other injury stuff. Blew whereas Wemby doesn't have yeah. that. But you still, you still don't want to put so much on a nineteen-year-old kid right no. away. No, to be well, like, oh, you're the new face of the league. Even even if it's like as someone who's seen as as much of a can't miss prospect as Wemby. Was there anything else from the schedule though that was like jumped out at you, good, bad, or otherwise? Uh. I like the baseball series. I'm I'm growing accustomed to it. Um, not even accustomed to it. I like it. Uh, beyond that, um, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll say it here, and I've said it before. Uh, I'm pro NBA Cup. Oh, I'm 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 into it. I'm uh, anything that you're doing to try to make games matter more. I'm in for. And everyone's like, oh, why are they doing this? It doesn't matter. Why not give it a shot? Like everybody said this about the play. Even with the play in, I was like, ah, it's not really going to matter. After I saw the success of the play in and how vital, and this is pre heat running to the finals from the play in, it was just, oh, there's three or four teams that are absolutely interested in not only getting to the play in, they're like 10, 11, 12, but also the teams that are five, six, seven, eight are like, we want to get the hell out of this bracket and get a guaranteed spot. And so that juxtaposition has been really interesting and dynamic for the final six weeks of the season. Now, the thing I wonder about with the cup, not only how it impacts the the schedule, who cares about it from the player's perspective and do the orgs care enough about it to like incentivize it. And that's the thing is this first year, I want to see how it impacts scheduling, how it impacts rest, how it impacts guys, how much they care. And is there enough of an incentive to make the players and organizations care? I think that's going to take, several years years for well for basically the the you know the i mean lebron's obviously going to be aged out in like two years but like two or three years or whatever but like or one year or you know whatever the case may be but like the kd staff basically like the generation that starts with like kd and runs through like dame basically dame Giannis, Mm. like the 2000 like 7 to 13 or 14 draft classes yeah once those guys all age out I feel like the younger guys, like the Lamelo, Anthony Edwards, Wamby, Scoot, uh, Cooper Flag, in you know, a couple of years, whatever. The like, they got next group. That yeah, like the 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 guys, like the the, the currently twenty five and under guys, basically. Yeah. I think those guys, since this got they implemented the, the flag bearers so early, flag bearers, if you will, with Cooper Flag. I see. I see what you you can pretend you can pretend you did that on purpose, even though you didn't. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give that one to you, but that it, with those guys, it happened so early in their careers for some, like for like the Anthony Edwards, LaMelo, like those guys, you know, had, they had three years without it. And now like they're still young enough that like, where was, and, and also like Wemby and Scoot, they will have never been in the NBA without, without this. it. Yeah. So, you know, then they can look at this as like, oh, Hey, cool. This is part of the schedule. So I think in like five years, it's going to be a That's thing a that point. players care about. And it might, it might take the, you know, Dame, Steph, 
you know, KD, Harden. Like, it might take that generation fully aging out for it to become a thing that all the marquee guys care about. That's no, kind that of where sense. I'm at with it. No, I, I like that. Uh, I, I don't think they've incentivized, not only that, I don't think they've incentivized it enough. Right. I feel like that there needs to be, like, some sort of non-monetary tangible reward for teams what that is, whether it's like an extra ping pong ball in the lottery or... But, like, the players aren't going to care about that because, like... No, like, but if you get organizations to care, organizations will make players care. Sure. That's, that's like, that. that's, like, the, you know, the tipping point. The domino right. needs to fall. Right, like, right. If, if orgs care about it, then players care. If players care, fans will care. Like, like that's what you kind of have to do to knock those dominoes down. So, like, I think if, you know, you do that, then, well, organizations are now like, well... Maybe we can. We're okay with adding point zero zero one percent BRI more into the pot for this, and that's more money. And <laughs> like that's like that. Those are the machinations. Like like right. Well, you mean we could get maybe one more door gate for this? Okay. Like those are the kind of things I think grease those wheels. But it's going to unlike the play in tournament where it was like, yeah, no, we're just giving more opportunity. This isn't necessarily quite that. So I think the carrot's going to need to be a little bit more. I could see certain organizations like the Lakers or the Celtics or the Warriors not caring, not caring about it because it's like they, they, I could see some of those types of organizations viewing this as the equivalent of like hanging a division winner banner. Yes. But also you could see the Minnesota Timberwolves being like, Hey, cup champions or Ooh. the Portland trailblazers. Wow, you're lumping them in with the Timberwolves, huh? Or the Utah Jazz, or... I don't think the Nuggets are going to really get up for it because they just won the title, but, like, those types, you know, like, those types of markets that don't have, like, the L.A., New York, Boston, Golden State, like... The Charlotte Hornets making the semifinals of the in-season tournament, like, they'll hang a banner for that for sure. Yeah, 100%. And that's the thing, is, like... it also, like, to kind of give the England variation of this and, like, Premier League soccer, this is what, like, the second-tier teams in, in that that world live for. Like, uh-huh. you don't get Champions League soccer. You get Europa League. And, like, being successful in Europa is like, yes, cup win, baby. Like, that's a big deal. It's not the thing, but it's not nothing. It's a big it's a big deal to them. Like, I'm an right. Everton supporter. Like, they won, what, Europa? God, how long ago? Like, but, like... Being a part of that, like, I know they're not going to go win a Premier League title, but are they going to be, like, top six in the table and get a chance at a Europa League slot and then have, like, cup play, like, be meaningful? Yeah, that's cool. And that's the thing. It's like, I think that, that I have plenty of complaints about Adam Silver. Him trying to add additional give a bleep to the league is not a bad thing. What? Do you think? Do you have any sense of how Dame feels about the in-season tournament? I Whatever team to... he's on, if he's here or if he's in Miami, like, do you think this is something he's going to get up for? You know, I haven't. I, you know what? To be honest, I have not asked a player about that yet, and that's 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 on my kind of like to-do list of like, uh huh. What like coming into the season, like, what do you think about this? Like, do you actually care? Like, I'll ask guys on record, but I'm also going to ask plenty of them off the record, like, to get a general I... feel for like. What do you really think about this? I did a story four or five years ago when I was still with Bleacher Report, and I was mm. more of a national writer, and I wasn't like as much covering just the Blazers on a day-to-day basis like I am now. When they first started like talking about this seriously, mm. this was this would have been like 2019 or this was pre-COVID, so it's been like 2019 or 2020. And what I did was I asked a bunch of players who are European. And had played in because like a lot of the European Cups. basketball leagues, yeah. like the Spanish league, the French league, yeah. all this stuff, they all, they have, all have they all have like the different like they all play in like the Euro League, but then they have their leagues for their countries, but then they have like a bunch of different competitions, and it's like kind of a similar thing. So I asked a bunch of like European guys, like I asked you know when he was on the Blazers, uh, Mario Hazonia, who has is from Croatia and had played for Barcelona, like. I talk, like I remember talking to Evan Fournier about this because he had mm-hmm. played in the French League before he came over to the NBA, or like Tomas Sadaransky who had played in the Czech Republic, like a bunch of guys like Ricky Rubio. I think I talked to about it, but like a bunch of guys from those countries who had played in leagues in those countries before they came over to the NBA with that type of schedule, asking them if they thought it could work in the NBA, and a lot of them said they didn't think it could just because 
American sports fans are so conditioned, whether it's, you know, the World Series or the Super Bowl or the Stanley Cup or the Larry O'Brien Trophy, they're so conditioned to, like, fans in other End of countries. End-of-season like, playoffs. Like, in Europe, like... You know all the all these all these all these soccer leagues like the, the these different cups that they're that they play for have been like a tradition for a hundred years or whatever. Yep. So fans know they already like have from like when they grow up and like they start you know watching you know these different leagues. They have it drilled into them that like oh you can play for this cup and this cup and it's not just one cup is the only thing that matters. Whereas in all of the uh, you know the American sports leagues, it's you want to win the Stanley Cup. You want to win the Super Bowl. You want the to win singular, the World Series. Yeah. Anything else is not, you know. What's interesting is like, like the the biggest clubs in the world. You know, you you Real Madrid, Barca, Manchester sure. United. You win the treble. You win three. Uh-huh. Like, what'd be interesting is I wonder if like if ever gets to a spot, and this, this is probably years out of like you win the double. You know, you win the NBA Cup and the title. You know, what I mean, like like is there ever a point where there's like a prestige level that comes with the NBA Cup? First of all, they have to change the name, but like call it the Silver Cup, and then make it's it Adam gold. Silver's thing. Make it the silver. Call it the Silver Cup and make it gold. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, I mean, it's his a a. That's a good name for a thing, but it's sure. also his name, and he no, was no, the it's, one it's, that like was really no, pushing this and came up with it. That's better like than it. just the NBA Cup or the yeah. in season tournament, like. I get like you 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 it spend needs better, all it needs these, a better name. You spend all these years building up to this, and that was like the best you could come up with. Go get White and Kennedy to give you another name. Like go go yeah. do like workshop something, or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do we have coming up on uh, the Jack Ramseys and on the radio show? Any guests we should know about? Anything you're working on? Uh, Patreon. I'm, yeah, on the radio we've got uh, Fran McCaffrey. Uh, uh, Chris Murray's Keegan Murray's coach at Iowa. Uh, he's okay. slated to come up. He is currently in Europe. Um, he's heading back and we're going to have him on the radio. Uh, and then I've got uh, the kids. The kids will all be on the podcast on the radio within the next month or so as we kind of get ready for camp. So that's uh, we'll have Scoot. We'll have Chris. Uh, we'll have Ryan um, all in some form or version on the podcast and the, the radio show. And, give everybody a chance to kind of get to know those guys. If anybody's out there who's seen those videos before um, we don't dive super deep into it. It's more of like, Hey, let's get to know this guy personality wise, but not also that, give like, the kids practice doing interviews. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a lot of it is like just getting guys comfortable. And I know that's what maybe people don't want to hear that, but I have made kind of a rule of not killing kids in the context of like the first four years of their career. Uh-huh. Like I, I, I'm really not too critical on guys because there's just so much you have to learn. Uh, and hell, uh, one of the things I, I, I learned most from Damian Lillard talking to him over the years was like, he's, he's told me flat out, like, I didn't know anything. Like I just, I didn't really get it until year four, five, and six. Like I was good, but I didn't understand what defenses were throwing at me. I didn't understand what it meant to truly be this, to truly be a pro, to, to live the, like, all of those things that kind of come with that. And that's been something I've heard from pros across the board, like great players in the league of like, it takes years and years. And so like, what I want to do is like, get those guys comfortable and understand who they are as people and, and get the basketball stuff out of them too. Hey, like what makes you tick on a basketball court? And uh, how did you kind of develop this? How do you change? Like one of my favorite things is like going through with Nasir Little and how he was kind of underutilized at North Carolina and like asking him, he had a breakout game in the, with the Lakers like a couple weeks before and he hit a three and he left his hand up there. And I was like, what was that? Was that a little something for Kuz there? He'd gone back and forth with Kuzma and he just lit up like a Christmas tree. And it was like, yeah, like, yeah. Somebody no, was, noticed. Somebody noticed. Yeah. And he, and he was like, well, remember, yeah, well, remember this year at summer league, you asked Shay about the like stare down of Cam Whitmore after yeah. the dunk. And he was just like, Oh, was I, uh, yeah. He, I, I asked, you know, Shane Sharp, you know, he throws that dunk on Whitmore and, I was like, because it was literally right in front of us, uh-huh. five feet away. Yeah, from we had those sitting. baseline seats at Thompson yeah. Mac. Yeah, and I could hear him screaming and just chest up, and I was like, "Oh, okay, Shay." You know, and I asked him after the game. You know, hey man, uh, a little more. He's like, "You, you, you think so? You think I was showing a little more emotion?" <laughs> well, because Shay is so like 
So bad. Uh, He's so quiet and he's so like it's 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 like it's one of those things where like it's sort of like a Tracy McGrady thing where like because yeah. he just never changes facial expressions and looks like he's sleepwalking through everything, mm-hmm. people think like, Oh, is that because he doesn't care about basketball? It's like no, it's just, no he just has his, his he's just very like even keeled like facial expressions. So look, we're him, around him in the locker room plenty. We we know kind of how he's he loose. Is. He's got a person he's yeah. got more of a personality, I think, than he yeah. lets on. One of our one of our goals, I think, has been to try to get that out of him. Just a little, a little bit, bit more, more each time. Publicly. Which I mean there's precedent for it. Like I remember and you can speak to this better than I can because you are closer with him than I am, but Ant as a rookie versus now, we just we're at his camp over the weekend and he could you have seen rookie Anthony Simons hosting a camp for kids and no. like being the center of attention and like, no. you know, walking kids through drills and like giving speeches to kids like that, like just the fact that he even is doing that is just yeah. like insane. No. Ant's parents were at the camp and they're fantastic people. I've known him ever since Ant came yeah, up here. Yeah. The first time I met Ant was with his parents. Yeah, Charles and Tamika are great. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. And I literally said, "This is not the same human you guys brought up here five years ago." Like this is the, he's he is complete. Like people think he's quiet. This is nothing compared to what he was when he first got here. And it's like, you're right. That, that's the thing is that and part of like doing those interviews is building those relationships with those guys and getting them comfortable so that when you and I come into the locker room, yeah, it's a normal thing to have like normal discussions and not even just about basketball, just about life. And so like that's that's a big thing. It's kind of just getting those guys into, yeah. into that vein. And then totally. down the road when we have them, because we have Ant every year, we have Nas every year, like the younger guys, we had Gary a couple of years, like that's that's the part of that is building those relationships and then coming back and like touching on it. Like again, like when the seer watching him go through his injuries and come back and uh, break down and build up his jump shot. Like we could talk about things that we talked about three years ago. And it's like those building blocks, I think are so fundamentally necessary for not only just like good coverage, but telling somebody's story. This is the kind of stuff I like about covering the NBA. I, oh, 100%. I hate that, like, I get that, like, this, that's what drives traffic and stuff, but, like, I hate mm-hmm. the trade rumors. I hate all that, all that stuff. I mean, I have to like, cover it because I, I it's part it's of the, the game, it's but what, also, it's, it's like, what the job is, but, yeah. you know. But it's, also, I'd be lying if I said I don't, I don't like doing it in the sense of, like, it's like playing an RPG. Like, you're, you're, you're trying to, like, see what fits and how, what things work, and, like, that's always right. interesting to me, but I'd much rather talk about the basketball. Talk much, about the basketball, much or also just, basketball. like, talk to these kids or yeah. just you know get to know them like mm-hmm. like i did a i did a, a interview with ibu baji over the you know at, at summer league incredible and incredible kid great kid but like after our interview because i did a story on him back in march which mm-hmm. i think was the first interview that he ever gave and at that point back in like march his english was still pretty rough because mm-hmm. you know english is obviously not his native language no, I it's interviewed his fifth him. language yeah it's his fifth language which is crazy he speaks <laughs> four other languages but like i interviewed you know i interviewed him like a month ago after a summer league practice in vegas and afterwards i commented to him that his english has gotten a lot better mm-hmm. since the last time i talked to him and he looks at me and he says when you see me in the locker room i want you to come talk to me so that i can work on my english and like that's the kind of stuff i love doing. Yeah. that's not that's yeah. not like i like that more than i like getting on this podcast and going through the millionth iteration of like, well, how, you know, what would Miami have to do to make a Dame trade be like, I just like, <laughs> yeah. Why do you think I took a month off then? Uh, why do you, why do you think That's, I took a yeah, month off? I, this is my first, this is my first episode <laughs> in like two or three weeks too. It's just I was not like, going to do it. And it was, it was not, it was not by design actually. Like I actually did have like a few guests that I like, like talking to and then they fell through or couldn't do it. And then it was just like, you know what? If there's a time that it's not the worst thing in the world to take a little bit of time off, it's early August when nothing happened with the Dame stuff. Nothing's going to happen yeah. with the Dame stuff. The whole league, like every front office is on vacation right now. <laughs> you know, now we've got, what, probably six weeks now before training camp. Yeah, so six weeks till camp, but you're going to see guys coming into town in the next week. Yeah. Next week or two. You'll see guys coming into town. Yeah, uh, like guy, you know, everything is kind of like Nurk got married in Croatia yeah. a couple weeks ago. So that's... he'll go honeymoon and do his thing. And then Ant uh, and Desir both have their camps in Florida. Ant, I believe, is down at Formula Zero right now at Dame's Dame camp in Arizona. Which yes. that was here. That was here last year. It's in Arizona this year. And that is that's, not where, that's where Phil like Beckner is. is yes, that's where his training facility is at. So like everybody's like, "Whoa!" It's that's like. Mm. I think that was kind of in the works already, guys. It's yeah, it's okay. But 
Uh, I think Ant is down there working at the camp right now, but he'll be back in Portland relatively soon. Uh, Nas obviously lives here in the off season, but he's got his camp in Florida. Um, I think Baji and a couple of the, uh, the, the contract 10 guys are at the practice facility like mm-hmm. daily right now. So well, you're going to see... like, it's a little, like his family is still in Senegal. So it's a little bit harder for him to just, him just like, hop up and go home. It's yeah. a little bit like at least Florida, if Renaz going back to Florida, at least that's like a six hour Four flight hour, and, it's a, and it's flight. domestic flight. So it's not yeah. like a whole bunch of other stuff you have to clear to go back but to a, a whole different, day, a different yeah. continent, like a whole different, so. like other side of the world. Like, but yeah. And I, I know a couple other guys are in town too. So, um, I would imagine Scoot, I think has been like a Scoot just did his little ODD con thing in Georgia, but I yeah, think and he was also just up at the crossover too in Washington and Seattle. Yeah. He was in Seattle. So he's in the area. I think he's yeah. going to try to start, you know, being in the mix here a little bit more. I would, um, oh, in the mix, huh? not, not the remix though. Uh, no, but, he already <laughs> did his time in the G league, which no, by I, the way, I, once again, watch the G league documentary, even besides, yeah, the I've got, stuff, I've got to like, add that to the, to the, to even the beside like the Scoot stuff is great, but also like, good. Denzel Valentine, who I covered for a couple of years in Chicago, uh, was in it. He's one of the guys that's in it. Uh, There's this kid, Ryan Terrell, who's, like, trying to be the first Orthodox Jew ever to play in the NBA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His story is interesting. I think it it does a good job of, like, Multiple it's stories. kind. Of, it's kind of like the similar, which I haven't watched this yet. But have you watched the quarterback show on Netflix? Yeah, I've got through a couple different episodes when they kind of profile Mahomes and, and Kirk Cousins. I haven't watched that yet. I've heard it's, it's good. It's, it's it is. It's very good. I'm gonna watch it at some point, but it's kind of in the same vein of like you have uh you know Patrick Mahomes who's like a superstar like all time great type of quarterback, and you have Kirk Cousins who's at least who's like a you know veteran but like a decent starter but not on yeah. that level, and then you have Marcus Mariota who's like a journeyman backup getting cut mm-hmm. and stuff. The G League documentary is kind of the same way where you have Scoot who like is you know, a premier signing of the G League Ignite who sure. was being groomed as a high lottery pick, and then you have a guy like Denzel Valentine who was an trying NBA to get lottery shot, pick, and then, shot. like, yeah. And then, like, there's a couple of guys who have been, like, grinding the overseas, fringe, yeah. and then finally, like, it, it, it's like six or seven, I don't remember all their names off the top of my head, but it's like six you or wanna, seven you guys. Them out. All at different points in their career and coming from different places all in the G League. I think it does a That's really cool. good job of, yeah, of no, doing it. I'll have, I'll have to dig into that more. As far as the Scoot Henderson IMDB, I think this is more worth watching than the Shooting Stars. The, the LeBron show? Which I did not watch, but I've heard that I'm not missing a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. But hey, look, get the bag, Scoot. Appreciate you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Get the bag. But uh, <laughs> I mean, like I'll admit, I haven't really listened to much of Dame's music either. So I'm going to probably treat wow. Scoot's acting career. Wow. Cold. Okay. Hey, what I've heard hasn't been bad. It's just I'm not I'm not going to be sitting at home like, oh, I'm going to put on that Dame dollar, you know? I'm ashamed, man. Look at you. You're not 10 toes down. I'm, I just cover the team, man. It's not my job to be, you know, you know, I didn't, I didn't listen to CJ McCollum's podcast when he was like, when he was here. Did you listen to CJ's podcast? The pull up no. with Jordan Schultz? Cause I no, I'm not. good. I'm good. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm, I, I, these guys can do this stuff. That doesn't mean I have to, uh, you know, if it's not something I'm interested in, but this scoot documentary is great. Okay. I'll, not I'll, the I'll, scoot I'll, documentary, the G league doc. It's great. Yeah, you guys I'll check that out. Rose Garden Report recommendation quarter. That's, you know, you guys all know where to find Danny, uh, you know, Jack Ramsey's podcast, uh, you know, 1080. Jenny to the fan, new to three, Dusty, Danny and Dusty. Jack Ramsey's Patreon. Yep, look, across the board. Easy to find on YouTube, wherever you get podcasts. Yeah. All right, I'll plug your channel. Appreciate you, brother.